This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet, is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. Panko Chicken is the home of the best Japanese American chicken tender, and it continues to rack up the awards in Atlanta, winning the 2019 Super Bowl Live Top Sling Vendor Award, multiple best selling tastes at the Taste of Atlanta Awards in 2017 and 2018, and even the best fried chicken award at the 2018 ATL Cluckfest. Panko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Panko, their family, and I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just it means a lot. And um yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family and I love them and I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um that goes with it so go to go to panko get some chicken get some rice get some beer there's all kinds of great stuff um whatever you want panko chicken has it so go do that um also go to chase thomas podcast.com i am uh i'm writing my ass off there uh these days so go do that read my stuff you can get access to all of my previous episodes you can buy my merch you can learn more about just why I do what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream, this, uh, this sports media thing. And um, you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated or Fox Sports or DAZN or whoever um, because I'm not going to quit. I am, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles, and just outworking everyone because I just I just want this more and I believe my product and I believe in where I'm going. Um we're over three hundred episodes strong and this is what I want. Uh there will be no slowing down. Took a break, but this is uh this is my jam and this is what I want. This is my passion. And uh yeah, so leave a rating leave a review on iTunes. It means a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Um, and join me as I keep climbing the ladder and all of that, because I, I just, I need your support. So if you like the podcast, keep listening, keep subscribing, tell, tell your friends, keep sharing it out, keep reading my work. And, uh, yeah. So, okay. All right. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday 
afternoon edition. I almost said night because I rarely record in the afternoon, but Bob, Mr. Bob Silverman, busy guy. We're doing it in the afternoon, but he is an old friend, so I will gladly, gladly um, work around this and uh, do an afternoon podcast. Bob, good e- oh my God, I almost did it again. I've done it like 340 times just saying good evening because um, I usually do this at night, but good afternoon, Bob. Look, man, it's like I always say, skyrockets and flights, afternoon delight podcast recording. Mm. Uh, no, yeah, okay. That's that's. I, I think that's how the song goes. I can oh. be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but um, so Bob and I, we used to write at the same place years ago. Um, Knickerblogger dot the mighty 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 Knickerblogger. We, we would put up blog posts about a, a basketball team, and then yeah, that was fun. I Blogging. miss True Hoop, man. I miss Hardwood Paroxysm. I miss reading all those different places. I, I don't uh, like how spread out and scattered and just how many places. It, have just... It's actually a story that I've kind of considered reporting out, which would be, I mean, the, the rough framework would, it would be something like what kills basketblogging. Mm. Um, and because the answer is partially nothing killed it. Like <laughs> it, it, it's not, it's not dead. Like, when you usually do these things, like stories like of this kind, like here was a thing that was a hot trend. What became of it? It's always partly, you know, the people who were involved X number of years ago, grousing and getting nostalgic and saying, well, when I was a boy, mm-hmm. we had good blogs. and Now the blogs are bad. You know, and so there's, there's going to be that element of it. But I think there are real um, economic forces and forces of how people consume words on the Internet which have conspired to let's say change the nature of blogs yeah. and change what what blogs what blogs were say in circa 2011 to what they are now let alone circa like 2006 or something like that but i mean there was a, there was a strange heyday of like basket blogging at least in my slightly curdled brain and and i'm sad that a lot of those really good blogs are no longer around yeah, it sucks. Like I had all these different bookmarks and like I swear my so you live in Google Docs and I live in Google Sheets because I just have mm. so many different like tabs for context of the podcast and like also tabs for things I need to read. So I have like different sections for politics, for movie reviews, for uh NBA, NFL, whatever. Like I have all these different links and all these different sheets and everything. But I just I've noticed in recent years how many sites I've had to just delete for my Google Sheets because they just they don't exist anymore and they just aren't there, updated. There may be three websites that I just check without knowing what's on them at this point. That's um, really sad. And it didn't used to be that big. Yeah. It didn't used to be that I mean, right now, if I'm going to read something, it's probably because I heard about it on on that other bad website, twitter.com. And, mm-hmm. that's, and that too, like the fact that so much information is shared on social media and organized on social media and then it changed the way the the way that people consume information and are led to writing both you know reported stories and essays and just straight up blogging um changed the nature of those stories i think anyway that's a story that has been and a story idea i've been thinking about it would be long and I'm not exactly sure who I would write it for because it's certainly like remember those good basket blogs is definitely niche content already. Yeah, that sounds like something for um, what would it be? Uh, I'm already blanking. What was Beckley's site? 
old friend Beckley of the podcast, who I just missed being a dick to. Um, what was that? Hoop speak. I think it's hoop speak, right? Yeah, maybe. Mm. It, it's See, hard, it's been it's so long, you don't even remember with, anymore. It's certainly a hardwood paroxysm post. That like a really, really, really long ass hardwood paroxysm, or like the classical would mm. would be into something. The classical like that. would be a good one. Yeah, another one. Yeah. just gone for years now. Um, maybe Deadspin. Seems like a Deadspin. Sure, mm. possibly. Yeah. David Roth, go know. ahead and we'll approve see. it. I don't know. I I know Tim Marchman, but he's gone. I think so. I I'm, can't. I'm not pitch. This is not a pitch. This is not uh, a podcast for me to pitch stories. <laughs> That's not why we're here. Today. I'm sorry. We're here for um, unfortunately more depressing matters. In that <laughs> you um well, you watch the Knicks. You're in New York, and uh, I do. The Knicks had a had a bad summer. Um, I do like what I remember most about you this summer was your harsh RJ Barrett takes on Twitter.com. And I was like, Oh God, really mad about that. Yeah. It pissed a lot of people off. I was surprised. I was just mad. I I was mad watching the second summer league game, which already should tell you about my state of mind because I was watching the second summer league game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, he he wasn't doing very well, and I just said like I just <laughs> just fire off a take, which is RJ Barrett is bad and will always be bad and never be good, which <laughs> objectively is is a pretty stupid take, but um and, and very positively to be proven wrong, um, but it, it, people got really mad. It got ratioed even. That's how mad people got at it. What kind of ratio was it? Like Barry Bonds 2004 ratio? Uh, no, 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 no. It was it was like like uh, a, a you know, uh, let's say a, a a subpar David Wright year, like mm. 280, 2080, something like that. Like David Wright that year that he That's struck out hundreds of times. It's a brutal yeah. ratio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, damn. <laughs> But no, RJ Barrett, like I'm, I'm kind of with you because what I watched with him this summer and like those kind of guys where he's, I don't want to say he's got a lot of Andrew Wiggins in him, but like I've, we've seen so many guys coming in the league like this where it's like, if he came in in 1998, I'd probably look at him differently. But in today's Uh basketball world, I just, I could see him not fitting in. Like he just, Malik Monk stuff where it's just like, I could easily see this dude just being a black hole on offense and not being a great defender. And then just being, um, one of those guys that like, he should be a superstar, but it's just, he's not. And he's actually like, basically like an unplayable player. Right. I mean, he was, I mean, the thing that struck me most about those first two summer league games, which tell us absolutely nothing and are not predictive was I kept waiting to see, See, what is the thing with R.J. Barrett that he will be able to hang his hat on no matter right. what? Last summer, for example, with Kevin Knox, he was he ended up shooting at around the same percentage in the summer league as he did during the regular season. Um, but what stood out was, you know, a stronger, uh, he was a better athlete than we'd seen in Kentucky, or rather than people who watch Kentucky a lot had said he was, because I certainly was not watching Kentucky basketball. I was about to say, a bit, Bob Sayada, big uh, Kentucky yeah. basketball watcher. I am not eating, like, SEC hoops tape. Mm. I'm sorry if I gave that impression. <laughs> he seemed to be a better athlete than the blogs I'd read about people who are watch- who were watching a lot of Kentucky basketball in 2017-2018. Um, 
and he had a better handle, and he looked like he could create for others, and while the jump shot was on and off, it looked smooth, and you're like, okay, he can be, like, his his upside, if everything works out, gravy, was like Richard Lewis, is what I would have compared. Yeah, that's a good one. And you could be like, okay, yeah, like, okay, you know what? Eighth pick in the draft, Richard Lewis is not bad. That's fine. Was he the eighth pick, or was he the seventh pick? Eighth I think he was seventh, but I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. Seventh, eighth, they're basically it doesn't matter. the same thing. Like, yeah, mid mid lottery, you're like, okay, fine. If you end up with Richard Lewis, you you, you everyone you know says cheers and calls it a day. So the, you know, great. And and granted, there were a lot of hey, look, the Knicks got a superstar in Kevin Knox blogs that got written, and I, I was like, mm, maybe. Mm-hmm. So you know. Um, I mean, I'm higher on him than I am RJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking at, like watching all of those four games, and even the games where you put up a lot better, where you put up, you know, a near triple double, and you had a triple double at one point, you know, and you, and you scored 20 points. It's like the things where you're like, you know, especially considering he's competing against, you know, 90% of the guys in those games won't be in the NBA next year. I'm like, uh,. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Trey was awful. God awful. He was awful. That's, I received many tweets about people telling me about how bad Trey Young was. And therefore, my opinion is garbage. Which, fair. Um, but then you have like Josh Hart, yeah. who was like a Summer League but, legend. You know, even and with he was... Trey Young. I remember because I, I watched two Summer Leagues ago, the Knicks game when they played the Hawks in the Summer League. Because I wanted to watch the, uh, our great burgeoning superstar, you know, future James Worthy, Kevin Knox. And um, I saw Trey struggle, and I was like, yeah, but you could still see, like, the thing that stuck out, even in those summer league games, even when he was shooting something like 20% from three, and, um, was the, the handle and the passing ability. And, like, that didn't result in a ton of assists, because he's playing in summer league with guys who won't be in the NBA next year. But that was there. And you could see that in Trey Young, even though he was firing up bricks. With RJ... The things that I see that look like they'll translate are he is going to be a good rebounding wing and a positive secondary ball hammer. Mm. Those are the positives. That's concerning. And Coach Thorpe, who I, I, we both respect and um, have known forever. David Thorpe? Or yes. Chris Thorpe? David, David Thorpe. Thorpe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I, I don't even. Oh yeah, Chris Thorpe. Um, David Thorpe, um, friend of the pod. He he was tweeting about him too, and y'all's tweets about him were the things that stood out most to me this summer. Was just like he looked at him and was like he's this unfinished product. Like he just came in and has no idea how to be an NBA basketball player. Was basically what he said, and I was like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, someone else was. Someone else was there. Some someone who puts there was someone else who was very critical who. Uh, I remember reading at that. Like, at he's just very point. green, and it's like you're basically having to he's bet young. on David Fisdale's development. Like that's what it is. It's just like which is like we've seen. I mean, the one example of that we've well, seen Frank really Nelikina, is just a home run there. Yeah, the one example <laughs> we've seen of his development is is Mitchell Robinson. Yes, which you know, congrats to the Knicks for turning a completely raw second round pick. Into he's fun as hell though. Starting NBA setter, he's fun as hell. I love Mitch. Love me some Mitch. I think I, I also tweeted out 
when the Chris Stapps goes from he's having a meeting to he's a maverick in a span of what felt like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that afternoon at the end, in, on January 31st, I, I tweeted something like, well, honestly, Chris Stapps was just blocking Mitrov's path to superstardom. And, <laughs> and that's a take that I stand by. Um. It's crazy yeah, how long ago that was now. Like, does it feel uh, like the KP stuff happened that long ago? But I remember just how optimistic Knicks fans were, where they were just like fine with moving on from KP. I read, and I, I, I remember... Read, I, read, I read a weepy, weepy, weepy blog for Vice about KP when he got injured. I was comparing it to the Bernard King injury as a kid. And I, 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 I was very, very... KP was like the first guy for most Knicks fans was the first guy who they had drafted and looked like he might become a superstar. Right. Since Ewing. So that's for anyone younger than 40. You're going to have a hard time. Like, like that's your only guy. That's your guy. It's just baby. And this is a step that uh, Jared Dubin tweets out a lot, of, a lot like often. Uh-huh. The only Nick draft pick to receive a second contract that was longer than we're picking up your fifth year option or fourth year option was Charlie Ward. Good God. That is the last person the Knicks drafted who they gave a multi-year contract to Charlie Ward. I wonder who the bulls are probably in the same boat, right? Who's who, I guess Derek Rose, but like outside of him, they have probably a lot of those, um, I don't know who else probably fits in that mold. I mean, Miami Oof. in the last couple of years, last 10. I mean, maybe it's maybe more common than we think, but I don't yeah. think so. I mean, every team has had some draft pick that's panned out, and they've signed to a multi-year contract. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. It looked, um, but it's also Charlie, the Knicks, so it's not that Charlie wild. Ward was, was, was drafted in, in 1994 or three, four. Charlie Ward was drafted after winning the Heisman in 1994. So it's been 25 years. You figure one pick <laughs> would have hit by then. But it's the Knicks. I so think the only, the only Nick draft picks the last like five years was David Lee. God. Um, and that's why I was just like, I remember at the time, the KP stuff of just like, well, if he doesn't come back and he's not the same, like I would still just, you know what you have in Porzingis when he's healthy. And like that's still just a building block that like, <sighs> I still don't really understand like what yeah. happened behind the scenes where like he like I couldn't tell if it was just PR from the Knicks pushing the narrative that he was not happy and he was never going to sign that contract because I still have my doubts that he would not have signed that second contract with the Knicks. Um, uh, it would have been rare. It's someone someone was treated like that. Like it's happened. Most guys do it. Someone yeah. like almost everyone signs. If right. They're offered the especially if they're offered the full max. But well, I think there was one player recently who who took. The, who said no and took the qualifying offer and then became unrestricted. I forget who. Um, I don't know, man. If he just doesn't want to be like, I don't know if you can convince a guy who doesn't want to be here to like take a, to, to even if he signed the contract, someone who thinks this team, who possibly rightly thinks this team can't ever get its, uh, stop stepping on rakes. Maybe that's not the guy to invest in. It doesn't matter. You, I mean, look, you actually lucked out here. You lucked out with KP. You lucked out. Right. I would ride and die with that ship. Here's the, beyond the question of whether or not KP wants to play in New York. Yeah. And, and in this era of player movement, if a player does not want to be at a team and he is good, he will leave. That is what we know now. I mean, look. Yeah. 
the, again, to talk about you know to talk about Anthony like Wiggins and and uh, um, and you know players drafted in 1998. That was not the case then. That was not even the case like five years ago. If someone you know because we what we found out is like Jimmy Butler can get mad and get traded to the place he wants to go, and he will stay mad until he gets there. Mm-hmm. And if Jimmy Butler does not want to play on your team, Jimmy Butler is not going to play on your team. And that's not me speaking as Jimmy Butler and the third person. It's just that I think instead of trying to lock a player down and then dealing with that kind of constant drama of a player using the powers that they have in order to, to leave, there, what I'm saying in the long term is there's an argument to be made that trading KP was not the wrong decision. Whether or not they could have gotten a better deal elsewhere or whether or not they should not have moved as hastily as they did, uh, I don't have enough information to say one way or another. I don't have any information. Um, so I, I just don't know. None of, I mean, but the argument for trading KP is twofold. One, it's this question of superstars in the NBA now can dictate when they want to go, and they will. They will do what it takes to dictate where they want to play. Two, Kristaps uh, Porzingis' health makes him very, very, very far from the short time. Right. We have seen... Well, you have to also mention, been, because of that, yeah. that's part of the reason that you bet on it. You're like, oh, really going to walk away from this this kind of money when you have this kind of injury history this early in your career? You're really going to walk away from this? Even if it's not like, even if it's not like, uh, well, he's, even if it's not like he's going to blow out his knee again and miss a whole year, and then someone's going to be taking him, like, after for, like, you know, being really injured. I'm just talking about the fact that in those first um, three years that he was a Nick, or two and a half years that he was a Nick, he missed a good chunk of time and dealt with various nagging injuries every single season. Like that's it's he had foot injuries as a big guy this early on. It's pretty terrifying if you're a basketball fan yeah, of, a t- of a guy who and has they were foot all injuries on the left side of his body, which is another giant red warning sign. Like even like things like the knee injury, the foot injury, the elbow injury, it was all on the left side of his body, which suggests a biomechanical issue, which the Mavericks are actually talking about trying, and Porzingis is talking about trying to figure out now, which says something else about how the Knicks uh, are able um, to help with player development. But um, even so, and this is another statistic that I've mentioned before on on other fine podcasts, which is that the there are for players seven feet two inches or taller, eleven of them have had a, had a career that lasted a decade in the history of the NBA. Total. It's not good. No, because there there are simple basic things about human anatomy and physics. When you are that tall and putting that kind of stress by playing professional basketball on your body, granted. Sports science has made has, has has advanced by leaps and bounds since Kareem was playing. Has have you know the amenities and, and the ability and what we know about getting players time off and you know load management the things they're doing to ameliorate that and the fact that there just aren't a lot of guys seven foot t- two or taller on the planet. But eleven guys played ten years, and a lot of them like beyond Kareem. Um, a lot of them were were dudes who were like, my job is to stand here and be tall. Like the Mark Eaton, like Mark Eaton type players. Bill, I mean, there's a story uh, like Bill Walton. There's, I forget where I read this, but Bill Walton was actually seven two. 
and he told people he was 6'11", and insisted on being listed as 6'11", because he didn't want, like, he thought it would, I forget why, the reason was something like, if they think I'm 7'2", they're going to, like, they're going to try to, they're going to try to really, like, beat down on me, whereas if I'm 6'11", they'll think I'm just, you know, another guy. Huh. Yeah, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're, it's like, it's, it's not just basketball. There was this story that Jackie McMullen wrote a couple of years ago about God, the lifespan of guys taller than 6'10". And, you know, the oh, I remember this. Yeah. 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 Like, Cause wasn't it Larry that, Bird or somebody who was thinking about this? Like I, who was uh-huh. it? Yeah, yeah. Where they just have to think about Peter their mortality Bird and, and Walton and Kevin McHale. It was right after uh, Bob Lanier passed away. And, and, you know, these guys don't talk to each other about this. They're, and, you know, obviously they're dealing with their own medical professionals who are telling them about the strain on the heart that's put by having to circulate blood through that size of a body, let alone a body that is playing professional sports. In any case, this got morose very quickly. With <laughs> I mean, it, we we're talking about the Knicks today. Like, it was going to get yeah. morose. Like, there was no way around it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're like this team. There's just no way around it. Like, this was just a brutal, a brutal summer. I, I never thought he was like the Knicks were getting <laughs> one superstar. Better yet, two. <laughs> I did think they were. I really did. That's your fault, I was Bob. convinced. You could have just texted me I and was, been like, what do you think? And I would have been like, oh, it's the Knicks. It's not happening. Like, really? We're doing this I again? I thought they were. I heard from a Steve guy Mills is in this front office. Steve Mills is not landing two top ten players in the same summer. It's not happening. It's Steve Mills. It's James Dolan. It was never happening. Did you see? Did you hear that thing that, the, that, that Cantor said recently? Uh, no. What did he say? About, He's been saying a lot of things. Yeah, he he does. He he likes to yap. But uh, my man, but Emmett said he was he was talking. He was doing stuff, I think with an interview with a Boston Cider podcast, and um, he said like, you know, New York was great. I loved playing for the Knicks. You know, it was a great experience. He had nothing but kind words to say about you know the coaches and the team and playing in the mecca of basketball and like all that. But he was like, but players talk, and they talk about the owner. Shocker. Players are talking and yeah. they're getting smarter and they're looking at the lay of the land of like, oh yeah, I don't want to work for this guy. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I feel bad because basketball, yeah, look, I, don't I think, think we, the summer was a, I don't think the summer was a disaster. If, if you want to, I, I, I think the year was a disaster. Understand. Trading KP for a salary dump and then getting zero superstars that same year. That's a bad time frame. Got, I think getting, I think. I think getting Dennis Smith Jr. and two first round draft picks for a player who was at that point uh, had spent a year not playing basketball was not a bad haul. Okay, I think they could have gotten more. I think they could have gotten more. I'm I'm in the Dennis hive though. So you, oh God, are you really? I love Dennis Smith. You just I really miss the Stephon Marbury, Steve Francis era of New York Knicks basketball. You're just like, let's bring it back. The let's run have it back. Had their own Eric Bledsoe, and now they can have their own Eric. <laughs> Whenever you have the opportunity to get your own Eric Bledsoe, you jump at the you jump at the bit, just like all Bucks fans this past Dennis, year. They were like, Dennis, "Love it." Dennis Smith is a is, is an incredibly he's good at dunking, and you know everything else will fall in line. I'm going to Dennis Hyde, man. I believe in Dennis. I believe in Frank too. Oh God, I you want can them have to start all of Dennis that. and Frank in the backcourt together. That's what I want. What just to secure the worst record in basketball next year? I'm understand. sorry, did someone not watch the FIBA World Cup? Oh, God. Frank Nilekina oh, was often the most, the best player on the floor. Did you not 
I mean, so is Tomas Anaransky. Ricky Rubio won like MVP. Right. He was as good as Tom Sadoransky some nights. That's what I'm telling you. I am the leader of the Tomas Sadoransky hive. Like, I, I love that okay. dude. Look, here's the thing. The Knicks are going to dump Frank for a second-round pick, and some smart organization is just going to say, your job is to defend and get better at, at hitting spot-up threes, and he is going to be a valuable 3 and D guy in this league. I would bet my life on that. I mean, I'm a bigger Frank Nilakina believer than I am Dennis Smith Jr., I think Dennis Smith Jr. will be in the league for like 12 years, but it's just a backup third guard for, for a very long time. All right, fair. Yeah. I really um, would have liked if they could have gotten John Morant. I, th- I think John Morant is going to be very good. And I was really hoping they'd catch John Morant. That was a tough night at the lottery. I was, wa- I was watching the draft lottery in a, in a bar with some of the couple of friends, which, yes, I have a very vibrant and, in, and fascinating social life. Was this Cowboy so, but... Seahorse or whatever with a um, friend of the pod, Mike? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, I've been but there. No, I went. No, I'm... no, 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 no. Not Cowboys here. Different department. Different, different group of people watching the draft lottery. Okay. Um, and, uh, and and when man, when they made it past into the top four, I was I was just like, I was sitting there. Honestly, the third pick was where I just hoped they wouldn't land because I think that actually Garrett Culver is going to be the third best player in this draft. Mm-hmm. If not him, then Brandon Clark. But I was like, okay, maybe it's going to happen. Maybe they get Zion. Maybe, maybe, maybe. If not that, I'm totally great with getting John Morant. And that third pick was tough because I knew they would not have the – I knew they wouldn't be able to trade up or down. That would just not be the Nick way. Good God. This somehow got darker to wrap up here. <laughs> oh. Are we done? Are we done already? Wow. Time flies when you're talking about our favorite basketball team, the New York Knickerbockers. I mean, look, it's here, here's the defense I'll give of this Knicks offseason, which personally, I, I, I still don't know why. I don't know why they couldn't make some of the deals like that were made for like Andre Iguodala and uh, Mo Harkless and pick up first round picks in exchange for taking contracts. I, I don't know why they couldn't do that and didn't do that and instead decided to sign uh, between seven and 20 power forwards who are now blocking, who all need time now, uh, and are going to take time away from even R.J. Barrett, who could maybe will be wrong and will be very good. But now his road to playing time is, is clogged, as his Nilakinas, as his Triers, as his Dotsons, by, like, you know, various Marcuses Morris or, or, or <laughs> and, and so on. Um, but they didn't. There, it's all short-term deals, and now we get to wait till 2021 and, and get to convince ourselves that Giannis is coming. So there's that. Don't do this. Oh no! I, don't I don't did don't it. go down. What? <laughs> oh, it's fun. Bob, it's fun. No. It's no. fun. They're not getting Giannis. It's no, fun. That not. I'm convinced of. They're not going to get Giannis. No way are they going to get Giannis. I think he's going to leave. Giannis will stay in Milwaukee for his whole life or he'll go to Golden State. I don't think he'll go to Golden State either. I think, and I th- I do think he's going to leave just because I think Milwaukee missed their best chance uh, to make the NBA Finals last year and win one. Um, I don't think they're getting back this year, and I still just don't think they're better than any of the Western Conference teams, and then it's over. But I, I, would, I would guess he ends up in one of the LA teams is what I would bet on. He seems, every interview I've read with Giannis, and the one interview I did of him, I conducted myself of him a few years ago, 
makes me think, actually, no, he does not want to go to a very large city and, and, and work on becoming a brand or a global ambassador or a content manufacturer or whatever, you know, the, the term du jour is for an NBA player with, with business interests on the side. Um, I feel like he likes living in Milwaukee. I, I mean, I think a lot of guys, when they're growing up and they're on their first team for a while, they, they do like their city. You can still like Milwaukee and like playing there and then being like, eh, it's time to move on. It could be. Could be. And also, people change. You get like, there's nothing wrong. It's not like he lied. People like, it, never change. People stay exactly the same way <laughs> as they are at any given moment in time. They are locked in a thick, dusky amber nothing ever changes right that's, like I it's like if you strongly. said this at 22 that means you lied about it if you did something different at 26 it's like well no that's how i felt at 22 it's just i feel differently now like that's what i think happened with kd and i think that's what happens with a lot of normal human beings they just change and their well, opinions I don't change know if you want to plot kd i think kd <laughs> normal somewhat thin-skinned human being that's will true. never let the kd interview that he gave recently where he's talking about the machine and, and, you know, the machine doing these things to him mm. and generating these, this criticism. I was like, dude, you just got to log off, man. Yeah, that's the problem. You really just have to, I, I understand that it may suck when some rando on the internet says you stink and are a big poopy pants, but you really don't need to clap back. You just, just turn that thing off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Walk away. Turn it off. He will never walk up. He, no, he will not. He, he has brain worms like the rest of us who are extremely online, and he will never log up. Probably not. Um, but instead <laughs> of logging off, what we should do is read your work in various Fine outlets. Where can, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What can we read from you right now and in the future? Uh, right. Uh, they got a bunch of stuff cooking, uh, and uh, it'll be at some of the websites. Uh, where I've written before, uh, like um, the Daily Beast and a few other outlets that I'm going to remain quiet about for the moment. So, that not to not to put on an, an air of, of mystery and intrigue, but I got some cool stuff cooking. And, and if you follow me on Twitter.com at p o b s a i e t t a Bob Sayeta, you'll see me tweeting about it, and then you can click the link and read it. And then you can tell me how I stink in the and it will buy to it if you like. What is the Sayeta thing, works. by the way? What I always wanted to know. What is that? You want to There's a story. If you if you want to buckle up for five minutes, I'll tell the story. I mean, do you have five minutes? You're the busy one, right? I now. have five minutes to tell the story for your listeners. Okay. okay. So, here's the, so many years ago, when I was just starting out in the world of theater and movies and trying to become an actor for a living, um, I was appearing. Uh, I, I was trying to get my union card and join Actors' Equity, which is the stage union. There are two ways you can join the stage union. You can get cast in a union show or you can work as a non-union person working a certain number of hours as internships and various things like that. And you get what they call equity points. And if you get enough equity points, they have to, they let you in the union and being in the union has certain advantages. Blah, 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 blah. So in any case, I called the union up to see how many equity points I had because this was kind of opaque and, 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 uh, and not entirely clearly laid out. So I wanted to know, you know, what my score was. And I, I got someone in the union on the phone and they said, Mr. Silverman, you've been in the union for, for 20 years. And I said, that's just simply not possible. <laughs> and, and he said, no, your name is Robert A. Silverman. And I said, yes. And they said, Robert Arthur Silverman. I said, yes. 
and they said Robert Arthur Silverman at, and they gave an address, which I, if, if I recall, it was about 10 blocks away from where I live. And I said, that is not my address. And they said, oh, well, then there's another Robert Arthur Silverman. And I said, does, does he have my points now? Because they're mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, oh, no wonder, you know, there was some confusion about me. And they were like, okay, we'll, we'll fix this, but you just have to give us a new name. I said, I have to change my name? And they said, no, you can be Bob Arthur Silverman or, or Bob Arthur Silverman or whatever, just something so that we have a different entry in the computer. And I said, oh, and I forget what I gave them, um, but I said something like that. And then I was telling this story to my father, and he proceeds to tell me this story that goes, well, it doesn't matter, Silverman isn't a real family name anyway. <laughs> and I said, What? And he proceeds to tell me this story, which it turns out I found out in later years is actually like an old family yarn and not really accurate. Um, but the way the story went was that my great-great-grandfather on my, on my father's side was an epileptic and living in some Slavic hovel somewhere in like the Poland, what, you know, somewhere on the Polish-Austrian border or Soviet border, like the, the territory line shifted a bunch of times. Um, and he was, uh, he was not being granted visas, uh, to come to America. He wasn't even being allowed on a boat because of the epilepsy made him seem crazy. And so that's the noble sacrifice was made by this ancestor of mine to stay behind in, in 19th century Europe and allow his wife and the, and, and my great grandfather to sally forth to America. And they would use a different name, and they used huh. her maiden name, which was Silverman, and his name was Sayeta. And young me at the time thought, wow, that's such a cool name, so much cooler than Silverman. And I started like, I would use that as my stage name because it's so cool. Now that I realize, uh, years later, I realized, well, that was an incredibly stupid thing to do. <laughs> I didn't legally change my name or anything like that. I just was like, that's me, Bob Sayeta. Incredibly cool man. You, you know, Bob Sayeta. Um, so when I was making plays and, and, you know, writing plays and raising money, for, you know, people, that was my name. That's what people knew me as. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, when I started writing again, I was like, you know, that incredibly stupid thing I did when I was a very young man, I'm going to undo that now and start using my actual name. Um, and went back to sort of being Robert Silverman. Basket blogger. So you have two um, identities so, essentially. There are people who know you. I There's do. a lot of people on you know, both sides to know you differently. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, if I'm if I'm ever on the run from Johnny Law, I always got that handle. I can pick right back up. You'll never get subpoenaed then, for anything because they'll come up and they'll be like Bob Sayada, and like, nope, Bob Silverman. Nope. <laughs> nope. In oh. any case, that's the story of the name Bob Sayada, which. Is like there are no other famous Sayetas. There's one like Ignacio Sayeta, who's a famous gangster, Italian gangster in the fifties, and like ratted out the mob. But it's it's a very strange name, and that's why I thought it was so cool. And then when I made a Twitter profile, I used it because there was another Robert Silverman squatting on my goddamn name. There's a Chase Thomas that like it's been an egg for like twelve years and still drives me insane. I hate that. I it don't. Part of me it, it just. One day I'm gonna get there where I'm gonna be big enough, Bob, where like I can just send some minions to go buy him out and just be like, Hey, I want this or I'm gonna get Jack on the phone and be like, Jack, um, I need the handle, so it's time to go ahead and um delete wow. and give to you. Dream man. Dream big. That's yeah. <laughs>
Uh, I, I, I dream and on big. that note. <laughs> yeah. Um, really weird, cool dreams from this guy. Very cool Chase Thomas over here. Um, all right, Bob. Well, this was a pleasure. I'm glad we are able to reconnect and talk about some somber things like Nick basketball and the end of basket blocking and all kinds of other great stuff. But um, you have to go. But I appreciate the time. Okay. And it's, uh, it's good to talk again. And uh, I hope to talk again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Um, thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod. Um, and don't forget, if you like today's episode and you are an Apple Podcast listener, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, Um where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work. So Chase Thomas podcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so go do that. Read all my stuff. Listen to the podcast. Um, all that good stuff. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. And uh, also follow me on Instagram at Chase double underscore Thomas. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And I will have another episode for you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.